You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. This morning we are still in the weeks following the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and um, we are not in a hurry to get out of it because that is the faith that we have, that is our faith, that is what we believe, that is what is the essence of what we believe. So last Sunday we began to look at Jesus's um, uh, parting words, the message he gave to the disciples after his resurrection, within the 40 days that the Bible said he appeared to them, what did he say to them? And we saw all the things that he said to them. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, preach this gospel to the nations. He said, go and if you forgive the sins of any that are forgiven, if you retain the sins of any that are retained, you know, and in Acts of the Apostles, they say to them, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you will receive power to become witnesses to me. Praise God. So we saw what Jesus said and we saw what he committed to the disciples and we saw the promise that he made. And one of the ones that stood out for us was that he said, I am with you even unto the end of time. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's continually, continually by our side. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. And then on the same Sunday, we mentioned and we talked about salt, and we saw that salt was not um, salt. Anywhere you put salt, it just, you know, savors, it just flavors, it just saltens, you know. You don't, you don't beg it, you don't need to put fan for sun to walk. You don't need AC for sun to work. Am I right? If you just put salt, you know, its impact is felt. And the Bible says we are the salt of the earth. And if you put on light, you don't, once the light comes on, you don't go and push darkness away, do you? Once light turns on, darkness does what? Recedes immediately. So we began to question, why is this thing like that? That salt does what it does naturally. Light does what it does naturally. And for us, why is it sometimes a bit of a struggle? And we realize because our Lord Jesus Christ had told us that if the salt loses its savor, if it loses its savor, then it becomes good for nothing, only to be what? Trampled upon, thrown onto the ground, and trampled upon by men. And we realize that in parts of the West where, you know, there's snow, you find out that actually salt is thrown on the ground. You know, it's thrown on the highway when it snows, and then cars drive over it. But we realize that the salt that they use for that is salt that has lost its savor. It's salt that has been diluted. It has had a mixture, and it's no longer salt salt in its essence. And we began to see that the gospel that had been committed to us over time has also become diluted. And the thing we must understand about dilution is that when something is diluted, it will still remind you of what it was, but it will never do what it was meant to do. Praise God. You see, if you use 
a glass that somebody used to drink, uh, maybe for if you're like me, you like Milo. How many like Milo here? You know, uh-huh. you like Milo, and maybe someone didn't wash the glass well, you know, and they now give you water in the Milo glass. You know what happens? As you're drinking water, it reminds you of what? Milo, but you're not drinking Milo, you're drinking water. Why? Because the extent of dilution of the Milo only reminds you of it. Now, what has happened over time is that our gospel has been so diluted that, yes, people can know that uh, there is Christianity, there are Christians and all of that. But the power, so the Bible says of people having a form of godliness, but what happened? Denying the power is dilution. Because you see, where the genuine Christianity is being lived, the power will be evident. Praise the Lord. The Bible says our Lord Jesus Christ, what did he do? He walked with them confirming their words, confirming their lives, confirming their, everything they said with signs and wonders following. So it can actually be a reminder, but you won't have the impact. Our prayer for the church, for the Father's church, and for the church in Nigeria, and for the church in our time, that will not just be a reminder, a story, you know, something that reminds people about God, but the power of God will be present with us in the name of Jesus Christ. So, you know, we won't just be, okay, you know, Christians, yes, and then when they want to talk about Christianity, if they want genuine Christianity, they have to go to the olden days. No, praise God. You don't have to go to the olden days. Fire is fire. We don't have to go to when they stoke fire with stone to find fire. Fire is still the same fire today, isn't it? Why? Because it hasn't been diluted. So we saw that the problem is that the message, the core message has been diluted. And what is that core message? Our Lord Jesus Christ, what did he send them out to pray? He said, go and pray to them, what? Repentance and what? Remission of sins. Repentance and remissions of sins. And we saw that repentance was not a bad thing. Repentance is what makes room for reconciliation. It's what makes room for refreshing to come from the presence of God. It's what brings that reconciliation, that ministry that we've been committed to. The ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling men back to God. Praise the Lord. But that message is no longer the core of what the church is preaching. If you listen, if they took the average preacher or the average message in the church and, you know, just carefully edited the Jesus, you know, that is fitted in between or the hallelujah or the praise the Lord that is, you know, slotted in in between and put it side by side with the motivational speaker, with someone speaking in Harvard or any of that places in, you know, China, anywhere, you see that they're basically saying the same thing. They're just telling you it's all about you. You're going to be the first. You're going to succeed. You're going to do all of that. It's basically the same thing. Why? Because we've taken the message of the gospel and we have matched it with the message of Babylon. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, as we do that and intermittently introduce Jesus in it, we just remind people that there was one man, there was a group of people who turned their world upside down. Do you think our world needs turning upside down? I think Nigeria needs turning right side up now. Don't you believe so? And there are enough Christ, and there are enough people who claim Christianity to do that. We are more than enough, praise God. But the problem is that there has been dilution. So by the mercy of God, we want to look what are the things that made those people, you know, what was the message? What was it that they held on to? What made them, you know, tick? Praise the Lord. May the Holy Spirit help us in Jesus' name. In John eleven twenty five, in the story or in the account of the raising of Lazarus, our Lord Jesus made a statement there, and I'd like us to start from there. The statement he made was this. He said to Mary, he says, I am 
the resurrection and what? The life. I am the resurrection and the life. He said, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You can give us John 10, 10 again. In John 10, 10, our Lord Jesus Christ also makes a very clear statement. He says, the thief does not come except to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that word. That we, that us may have life. He has come that we may have life. And that we may have it one more abundantly. Now the truth is this. You can take this and interpret it at different levels. And let me make this a passing comment on the scriptures. He said the scriptures, because it's alive. I think we've tried to explain this thing here. Because the word of God is alive. You can't definitely say this is what he's saying and be sure if your heart is not right. Praise the Lord. The Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of God. Praise God. If I can rightly divide the word of God, what does it mean? I can also what? Wrongly divide it. Praise the Lord. I can wrongly divide it. So how do I make sure I'm always rightly dividing? I must check my motive. I must check my faith. I must even check what I'm looking for. Praise the Lord. I mean, people who are killing their enemies, they're finding scriptures. There was a time it was popular, you know, for people to get married, Christians in Nigeria. You get married, after some time, your wife changes from size 8 to size 18. And then you have a revelation that she was never your wife. How many heard that gospel? Uh, this is not, it wasn't my wife. So you see another revelation. And, you know, and if it wasn't your wife, then it was nothing I've been issue, okay? And then you find another one. You know, all, all kinds of things. And they find scriptural basis. Do you know slavery was backed up by scripture? Okay? Appetite was backed up by scripture. What you want is a living word. Praise the Lord. You can go in there and decide to find what you want. It's on your, you're on your own. On the day where the word itself will ask questions, you will answer for yourself. Praise God. So we are careful. So when Jesus said that I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't talk about that they may live life of greed and lust. No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying that they may have life the way God originally what, intended it to be. They may come to have the Zoe life, the life that God gave to Adam and Eve in the beginning. Praise the Lord. So that is the background. And we want to see, you know, if you come with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. I want us to see a bit of what the gospel sounds like. Okay, let's see what Paul here said to Timothy. Can you put it together for me? 8, okay, we'll read that. Okay, we can read that, but th thank you. It says, therefore, let's read together everybody. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, not of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with what? A holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now verse 10. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has what? abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. What did Jesus do? He abolished death when he came on the scene and died on the cross and rose again. He made a shame. He said to death, death, you're nothing. You're nothing. You're only a door. I open you, I close you, I close you, I open you. Praise the Lord. 
That's how come he could say to Mary, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me. You know, the next statement that he says shall never die. But he said, even though he dies, you know what? It's not a big deal. So I'm not even struggling that he doesn't die. Even if he dies, he will live. And if he didn't die, he will still live. Anyhow, whatever death throws in the equation is nullified because I am the resurrection. Somebody say, I celebrate you, Jesus. He is the, he is the one that nullifies every effect of... It's like having an antidote. You see those people, those um, guys on Niger and Discovery, when they're playing with all those snakes. Don't go and play like them. They've taken all the antidotes. The sting of the snake is like kai kai to them. When the snake bites them now, the venom doesn't do anything because they fully equip themselves. Don't go and copy them. Praise God. So he said, I've taken the sting. I've removed everything inside of it. It means nothing. That's why when they sent him and said, Lazarus, whom you love is sick. What did he say? He says, this sickness is not unto death. Can God lie? He cannot lie. But didn't he die? Because death meant nothing. Praise God. And if he were really afraid of death, he would have started running back. But what did the Bible say? He delayed. He delayed so that he would show himself truly the resurrection and the life. But the key thing I want us to pick from him is that when Jesus appeared, what did he do? He abolished death. Do I have anybody who is a twin in the house here? If you're a twin... Praise God. Thank God for you. Thank God for Mary's lesson. If not that she abolished the killing of twins, you know you won't be here. So I want you to understand what it means to abolish something. When it's abolished, you see, they have to tell you the story. So for the Christian now, you see, the sound of it is a story you hear. It's not something that is in your future that you're afraid of. No, it has been abolished. Praise God. What is in your future is what? Life and what? Immortality. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise Jesus, somebody. Now, let's see what this message has been diluted to. Or rather, the message of Babylon. Let's see what Babylon experiences. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. Let's look at it. We see what is happening, you know, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. We see what Babylon or where Babylon is. In Babylon, the Bible talks about, it says it this way. It says, inasmuch then as the children are partaking of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who what through fear of death were all their lifetime what subject to bondage in Babylon. Every man in Babylon, every woman in Babylon, big or small, rich or poor, wise or foolish, you know one thing, they are in bondage to the fear of death. You know why? The sting of death has not been taken away for them. You see, if you live in this world and you have a bit of money, you bear witness to me that most of your money now is being spent on anti-aging things, especially if you're a lady. Someone mentioned to me um, that there's a hotel, you know, in Switzerland where they pay about 40,000 pounds a night. And why do they pay that amount of money for the, for, per night in this hotel? Because they say there's a stream there that, you know, renews your life if you just enter it like this. If you entered as at 90 years, by the time you're coming out, maybe you're 89 point, point 11 months. <laughs> you know, you know. So, so there are all kinds of creams, all kinds of drugs, all kinds of things because people don't want to die. This is a Rockefeller that they said had up to how many surgeries? You know, by the time the man was going to die finally, he had different. He had t- turned over two hearts. 
you know, seven livers, all kinds of things. Everything was being done so that he wouldn't die. You know why? In Babylon, they have no other hope. If it fails in this world, it has failed finally. Now, what a shame that Christians who have the greatest, most potent anti-death message are ashamed of it. Now, when the Bible, in this scripture where it says, who through all their life were subject to this bondage through the fear of death, I want you to understand something here. Death, in this case, is the final point. Okay? So, it may not even be death, physical death. It could be shame. It could be, you know, being poor. Why do we have the dimension of corruption that we have in this nation at this time? Because at a time, sometimes when I was growing up, you see civil servants. I remember those days in the villages. The civil servants, their houses, you know, weren't much, you know, to talk about. But it would be a bungalow, okay? And they will have probably a Volkswagen Beatles or a 504. But one thing those men had was that they had respect. They had respect in those days. Okay, they had respect. There were a few story buildings than, you know, mansions. And you know, this one is a trader. This one is an importer. This one, you know, is deals on a, um, um, iron rod or whatever building. But the civil servants, you see them, you see just some, you know, house like that. You see them, but you see them respect. You see the man, he wears his khaki shorts when he's retired. And everybody respects him. You know, when things started spoiling, when the villagers themselves started telling the civil servant, so all all those 60 years that you were in Lagos, this is how you're coming back. When the drug people and the 419 people started insulting them in meetings and the Igwe started saying, um, Prof, please keep quiet. Let Johnson talk. The difference is that Johnson brought 5 million for the town project and Prof, 5,000 with much, much quarrel. <laughs> Praise God. All he has to do is submission. You know, every time in the meeting, he's raising objection. And so. so that was how things started changing. So this fear of death, I'm trying to make a point here. This fear of death was not just fear of being killed. It's fear of shame, fear of embarrassment, fear of being belittled, fear of being ignored, fear of being denied. And such is where the world is. So everybody, you know, for those of us that are on social media, you put a picture and then you're counting likes. If you see 500 likes, some of them is robots that are liking it. You are happy. Then if there are five likes, even though the picture is good, you don't like it because, ah, they don't like my picture. I, I see some things. People will post something and say, please, like it for this sake. I say people are jobless. So, you know, like it so that this person will know. I mean, all those things are fears. And it's a Babylonian system. It puts it in so that men are struggling. Every, pe people want to do something. You know this is right. But you know if you do the right thing, you will die a bit. You will lose some friends. You will lose some likes. I, I someone hearing me? You know, you lose some followership. You're following somebody on Twitter that you don't want to follow. But you're following the person so that the person can follow you. So that your followers can increase. It's death now. 
are different dimensions. You want to say something and you know what to say, but you know that if you say this thing, you know, somebody won't like you. So you say what they like. So that, I mean, all those things. He says, through fear of their where all their life was subject to bondage. It's the bondage of the enemy. But Jesus Christ says, I've come and I brought what? Life and immortality. A situation where, sir, you're free. Man, you're free. Man, you're free. Sir, you're free. You're free to live life as you were created to be. That's what the gospel is. Now, the world doesn't have it. You don't blame them. You don't blame them. They live for approvals. They don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. You know, that's why we had at least two comedians, popular comedians that committed suicide. These men were busy making men laugh, but they were dying inside of them. We've had millionaires, celebrities, killing themselves. Why? Because there was something wrong inside. And nobody presented to them the gospel of Jesus Christ that could tell them, Sir, man, something happened on the cross. When Jesus died, he set you free. Brethren, I haven't stopped. Part of this death is when they now tell you, Sir, as a young man, you know, you're born again, you're serving the Lord. But Abba... After these years, you have not no breakthrough. Yes, and what breakthrough is it? So the God that you serve is the God of breakthrough. But the people that are breaking through are breaking people's heads and breaking people's houses, are breaking their August, you know, accounts and stealing money. But they are the ones that are being celebrated because of Babylon. They are not going down, they are going up. It's the Babylonian message. So when you want to say a church is prospering, ah, you say in this church, ah, this and this happens, this and, and you look at all of them, it's the same thing Babylon is pursuing. Why is Babylon pursuing what is pursuing? Because it's afraid of death. It has no hope. It has no expectation. But our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came, he turned everything around. He turned everything around. He brought abundant life. He brought a life that lived for one audience. He brought a life that looked to one direction. He brought a life. When Jesus was on the earth, the Bible said something there. The way he put it is very fine. He said he did not commit himself to men. He said he knew all men. It was a moment of popularity for him. But you know what he kept doing? He kept committing to himself. To, I'm not saying this that the Christian becomes a crazy person. No. The Christian still looks for commendation. The Christian still looks for affirmation. But you know what? He looks to you from above. The Bible said the voice came and said, This is what? My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Christian needs only one follower. And you need to only follow only one. Jesus said, He who sent me. The father is always what? With me. Why? Because I always do the... So he said, I'm following him and he's following me. He said, that's all matters. That's the abundant life. Anytime you count numbers, whether it's in crowd, whether it's in money, whether it's even in age, if you're depressed here because of your age, you're living in Babylon. Because in this thing now, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it does not matter. I'm going to get to tell you about the Old Testament saints and how they triumphed over this Babylonian system. When God called Abraham, the first thing he did was that Abraham died to every form of popularity. He was an old man, 75 years, living in Haran. I've told us here, Haran, I researched, and they said Haran, at the time that they were talking about, was a city complete with drainage system. In fact, they said that they even had some form of air conditioning. You know, local design or whatever. It was a, a solid city. Now, you call a 75-year-old man to relocate out of Haran. Do you know friends he has made? Do you know acquaintances he has built? His business, his customers, his bank, you know, all of that. 
And the Bible said Abraham left. That was a death. Anybody held in bondage to the fear of the will make that journey. He said, No, no, God. I mean, whatever you want to do for me there, what? Do it, do it in Haran. And that was what stopped his father. Terror. So anyway, Abraham left. And God waited 75 years, 80 years, 85 years. When God was going to do another thing for him, which was the promise of the child, what he did, the man had to be 99. You know why? Because the gospel that you and I have been commissioned into and we have received is a gospel that waits until you're dead somehow before it brings resurrection. The message I've come to preach to us here is the resurrection faith. You see, when you say I'm a Christian, you basically say I believe in the resurrection. And the reason they told us, I believe it's Romans 10, 9. It says you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that God raised him from the dead. Is that you want to, you, they want you to always say that you believe in what? The resurrection. In fact, the quarrel, if the apostles, in Acts of the Apostles, well, next time when you read it, just be sensitive, you see. In Acts of the Apostles, when the apostles were preaching, you know, both to the Jews and the Gentiles, the major issue a lot of people had was the resurrection part. Tell them about a man who was wise, a man who was powerful, it's okay. But to tell them that that man died and rose again, it means there is life after. Not life after as cockroach. You know, some faiths believe that you finish here, you come back as cockroach or... They come back, not you. Praise the Lord. No, 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 no. That this man died, rose, and they ate with him. They saw him. They spoke with him. When he starts some of that conversation, they say, oh, go back. Go and let's see another day. It was the resurrection. You know what? The resurrection was the thing that made Christianity completely different. And today, child of God, it is still our main message. It's a differentiating factor. Now, some people with exposure and with knowledge of what we preach might have started claiming it. But the question they have to ask themselves is this. If your leader didn't resurrect, what hope do you have for resurrection? Are you with me? Because they tell those that are going to bomb themselves and kill themselves that they are virgins waiting for them. Ask them, the man that you're following, did he come back to tell you he saw the virgins? You know, it's one thing to tell you I'm going on a journey, this and this is happening. I should go and come back and bring evidence. We have a savior who died, praise the Lord, buried, praise the Lord, rose again, praise the Lord, and what? Ascended into heaven. And then told us, Hallelujah. And told us that he's going to go to heaven. And he's not the one that, you know, those days, some, some people are traveling. I see this old guest book. I had one uncle, not uncle, my older brother's friend, like an uncle, who when he was traveling abroad, brought one diary. Passed to almost all of us, about 50 of us. We're writing what we want. You write white jeans, black boots. You know, we're writing all kinds of things in the diary. The guy carried, he traveled. We didn't see him up to today. <laughs> so <laughs> praise God. So this Jesus did not just die, rise, you know, and told them, I'm going to heaven. And he stopped there. No. He said, When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Father to send you what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. How many have the Holy Ghost there? His evidence is there. He's there. He got to his destination. Praise the Lord, somebody. And the same way he's coming again. We don't have a savior that is telling stories. No. Everything he said is happening. Praise the Lord somebody. So Jesus tells us the faith says you and I have to believe that this thing extends. It extends beyond now. 
It extends beyond time. It extends beyond the experience. You know, and I begin to see what happened in the Old Testament. Every of the saints, most of the saints that God used, they had to take them somehow through a death experience so that they can have a resurrection experience. Abraham at 99, God said to him, now we're going to change something about you. Tell Sarah, call them, you're going to have a child. You know, I looked at the story. If you have time, you can look at it. Genesis 17, 17. I think it was at this point that Abraham laughed. Genesis 17, 17. The Bible says, Abraham fell on his face and what? And laughed. What did he say? He says, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is what? 90 years old, bear a child? But the Bible also was telling us in Hebrews 11, 12. You can give us Hebrews 11, 12. And see what he said there. He said, God did it intentionally. He said, therefore, from one man and him what? As good as dead. We're born what? As many as the start. Because in this faith, death stops nothing. Tell yourself, death stops nothing. Let me tell you, sir, your financial situation today stops nothing in your future. Your physical conditions, it stops nothing. You know why? Death has been abolished. The trajectory of death means nothing. Your pedigree means nothing. Where you're coming from, who your father was, the school you attended, it means nothing. Let me make a confession to you. I hope such people are not there. Most people, at least, this is a confession to you. Let me tell you. As at the time I was feeling jam form. Yes, look at me. I'm confessing. As at the time I was feeling jam form. If it was not Unilag, you know, Unec, UI, you know, Uniben. There are some schools I didn't consider schools because, I mean, these were schools that, you know, their cutoffs were not competitive, you know. And then if you spoke to the provost, they will bring you in. They say, come in, we're looking for students. So all those schools, Akin is not finding it funny today. <laughs> you know, I- I'm telling you, all those schools. But you see, as I mature in life, I'm seeing that those that are MDs of banks and governors of central banks, they don't necessarily come from UNNO. They don't, some of them are coming from Babio University. Some, yeah, I mean, they're coming from Madonna University. I, I said, ah, what is going on here? You're not an alumni of yet. You're not a lion. You're not a tiger. How, where is it? How come from cockroach of you? <laughs> Praise God. I'm telling you the simple truth. You know, but you see, that's the mentality of Babylon because Babylon will track you based on where you're coming from, what has happened before. But there's a God that says, Behold, I do a new thing. He said, Somebody cannot hear me. I said, He does a new thing. He said, It has never been heard, He has never been seen. He said, But your eyes will see it. Why? Because He's a God that makes new things out of nothing. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. He doesn't read your records and say, okay, you can count one, two. Now count three. No. He takes you from nothing and he makes you something. You know why? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know that Jesus did not heal Lazarus? No, he just said, Lazarus, comfort. Did you hear Lazarus be healed? Because he's the resurrection and the life, he can jump stages. Somebody's looking at his life and saying, I need to pass this thing. I need to pass this point. I need to pass this point. No, God can jump stages. Oh yes, God can jump stages. Praise the Lord. So we serve this God and this is the gospel that we have. We have a gospel that is completely different from what Babylon hears. 
So Babylon tells you what you have to do. But in this kingdom, we are told what our God has done. And our job is to believe it. We learnt on Wednesday. Please, I beg you, always come on Wednesday or get the tape. We learnt on Wednesday that they said to Jesus, Okay, okay, let's settle this matter once and for all. Tell us, what shall we do that we might walk the works of God? They were ready with their pen and papers to take notes. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, this is the work of God. That you might what? Believe in him who has said, you know why that is the work of God? He has finished his work from the foundations of the earth. So you and I only enter. We enter into what he has done. That's the faith we belong to. Praise the Lord, somebody. We enter, we believe him, and we obey, and we enter. So we see that our salvation and the confession of faith had to be that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Why? So that it is also established for me and you a pattern that in my journey in life, in your journey in life, there will be seasons where it will be as though you're going down. But if you belong to this faith, you will have no reason to fear. Are you hearing me? You have no reason to worry. Let me tell you, concerning our nation, Nigeria, if I were not a Christian, you people are relocating to Canada. Even Cameroon I would have relocated to. But you see, because I believe in God, because I believe his word, because I believe that he knows what he's doing, because I believe he said to us many years ago, this land is what? Is a good land. But they are giants. And he said, these giants will become what? Bread for us. He said, only one thing is necessary. If the Lord delights in us, he will do what? He will give us the land. So my job is to continue to pursue a life and a purpose that the Lord will delight in so that he'll give us the land. The enemies of this land, don't worry about the things we hear, the hundreds of billions and whatever. They are nothing. They are but smoke. God allows a wind and tomorrow you look for them, you don't see them again. That's the God we serve because he changes times and seasons. He's a mighty God. Listen, no king can be found in our time that's as great as Nebuchadnezzar. He was so great that he was addressed as God that's how great he was I mean he was you know our Lord Jesus is king of kings Nebuchadnezzar was also I mean there were kings who bowed before him but what did it take our God to teach him a lesson and he taught him an interesting one praise God oh yes he taught him an interesting one he became a preacher of the gospel he came out and started proclaiming the God of Daniel. He's the God of gods. No one in the earth compares with him. God can handle every situation. Your business and my business is to see to it that we do what? We delight him so that he can rise on our behalf. Praise the Lord somebody. So the gospel that Jesus Christ has presented to us and the life is a gospel of the resurrection. It's a gospel that says it's not over until God says his word. It's over. He says I'm the first and the last so it means until he shows up what happens it can't end it can't end remember the bible says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and we've learned here that in that beginning was not when time began it was when god began time because god has no beginning so genesis 1 1 doesn't tell us about god those are some of the things he'll be teaching us in heaven but for what we needed, no. When time was beginning, God created time. And he said, let there be. That's the God we worship. And this God says, it doesn't also end until I say it ends. Remember when the Sadducees, somebody said that's why they were called the Sadducees, because they were very sad. Okay? 
They were very sad. When the Sadducees approached Jesus and they threw to him what they thought was you know, an enigma. So what do they do? This man marries, you know, a woman dies. The brother marries seven of them. Okay, you people say there's a resurrection. When that happens, whose wife? Jesus established something. He said, for whether there's resurrection, there is. But in the resurrection, they're not giving in marriage. Marriage is only here for the purpose of procreation. It is here for the purpose of fellowship and to accomplish God's purpose. But in that age, in that age, it said that like the angels of God, praise the Lord, they neither marry nor are given to marry. But he said, let me inform you on something. The God that you talk about is not God of the dead. Nobody is dead before God. Have you ever pondered on that? That if you lost a loved one and you're here today, that loved one is only in a different fellowship. He's not dead. If he's a Christian, if she's a Christian, he's only attending a different church. Hallelujah. Thank God that in that church there is no sickness. There is no sorrow. Praise God. There is no... Are you understanding what I'm saying? You see, that is the beauty. So our job is just to get men saved. I tell you, my concern, my primary concern with the things that are happening in this nation is the people that are dying without being saved. Because at the end of the day, we learned many, uh, a few years ago, that it's a soul exchange. This whole thing is about souls. You see, if you dwelt in eternity, there are some things that will bother you and there are some things that won't bother you. And those are the things we must continually take to God. You see, the Bible says, you will not allow, I tell God all the time, say, please, you said you will not allow the scepter of the wicked to rest upon the land allotted to the righteous. Let the righteous turn their hands to iniquity. So, these things have to stop. Because when this violence is increasing, those who were not very solid will begin to also turn to violence. So, please, let the righteous remain and let there be more. Let us not lose the righteous to, to the people of iniquity. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, those are the concerns. But whether God is shutting things out, fear not. He says, before God, all men are living. It just depends on where they're living. Before God, everybody's living. Either in heaven or in hell. So we see that the salvation that we have was through death and resurrection for a pattern. Our Lord Jesus Christ speaking to us, John 12, please. John 12, you, if you're taking notes, you can put 22 to 28. But let's just take 24. Let's just read only 24. 24. Let's read together. What does it say? It says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat does what? Falls into the ground and dies. What happens? It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And I said that I looked at the Old Testament and I see the men, I see the women who ran the race. Someone like Joseph. Joseph for two times clearly. He was as good as dead. Genesis 37, 20. The brother said, let's kill him and throw him in the pit and let it be the end. We'll go and tell the father that, you know, some wild animal. And they did put him in the pit. But because that was the Old Testament and because God's hand was on him and the story was not over, they didn't kill him. But in their hearts and by all intents and purposes, they wanted him there because in that pit, they leave him, something happens to him. But they put him in the pit. You know he was brought out of the pit. Praise the Lord someone. And then when he was taken to Potiphar's house, we also saw how he was prospering. And it was not good enough. They still needed to bury him again. And the Bible says they also took him and put him in prison. But you and I, when we tell the story of Joseph now, where did the Alpha and Omega leave him? Did the Alpha and Omega leave him in the pit? Did Jesus himself leave him in the prison? Where was his final bus stop? The palace. Why do you think that the pit will be your final bus stop? 
Why do you think that the prison where you are in? You know why? Because you don't see the resurrection and the life. When you, your faith rises up to see the God you serve. The God that you have placed your faith in. The God of the patriarchs. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Then you can be sure that no matter where men put you. Until God is done with you. Man cannot put a full stop on your life. Praise the Lord somebody. That's the God we serve. What about Moses? Moses had his own experiences. In the water by the time the Bible says the mother saw it was a beautiful child exodus 2 1 to 3 so it was a beautiful child and the decree of pharaoh said killed so she was able to hide him after three months this mother must have cried wept kissed this baby and surrendered the baby to be you know breakfast for crocodiles but because god's plan for his life was not over not only that didn't crocodiles eat moses but somebody found Moses, the very one that issued, the daughter of the one that issued the decree, brought him out and they were feeding Moses on Pharaoh's budget. Just celebrate the God yourself. Celebrate He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. There is nothing impossible. They brought him to Pharaoh's house. They say we have a new baby. Pharaoh was rejoicing. I don't know whether he knew he was the he, baby of the Hebrews, but whatever be the case, there was naming ceremony in Pharaoh's house. For the baby that had issued a death decree, God is mightier. God is greater. God is more powerful. God is wiser. If it's not done, just know he has another plan. It's not that he can't. The psalmist said, once hast thou spoken and what? Twice have I heard it. That what? Power. Power. Power belongs to God. Power to heal. Power to provide. Power to prosper. Every situation. You know, that wasn't over. The next one was in the wilderness. 40 years in the wilderness. All he had for friends and association were sheep. But that was not the end of his life. Before it was all over, God appeared and said to him, come. I'm now going to send you, you become a deliverer. I brought a word to somebody. If it's in this Jesus that you believe, ask your soul, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Why are you downcast? Time will fail me to tell you about David. David survived the jaws of the lion, the claws of the bear, the weapons of Goliath, and the spears of Saul. Yet, you know, all of that came against him. And he looked at his life and somebody was asked to predict. They would say, surely, if he doesn't die in the hands of Saul, he will die in the hands of the Philistines. But you and I know that David was one king that was not murdered, was not assassinated. He died at a good old age. Praise the Lord. Why? Because when the resurrection and the life is your God, he bears you through circumstances. He bears you through situations. It does not matter. Somebody here, you're afraid of surgery. Don't be afraid. You see, let me tell you, the believer has one fear. Fear God. That's the only fear. That's why I don't understand when people tell believe, don't fear. No, you have to fear God. Reverence God, I mean, in that sense. Okay? Reverence God. He's the only one you should fear. So if he says don't do, make sure you don't do. With the same manner that you will put a fear to any other thing that is not good for you. Because he's the only one that has the final say. He's the only one. You don't toy with God. We toy with every other thing. Praise God. We laugh at every other thing. But we don't laugh at his word. We tremble at his word. We shake. He says something, we say yes sir. Yes daddy, I will do it. And we joy. But when men begin to, you know, have lack of reverence for God, invariably, it's called an, you know, a relationship of inverse proportion. When your fear of God goes down, you know what happens? Your fear of every other thing goes up. It's automatic. And that's a message, that's a problem with the world. Because they have no fear of God, their bondage to the fear of death is what? So high. 
think um, someone was saying how he met one big politician at Zubapak. How many of us know Zubapak? Some of us are very, you don't know Zubapak. If you've gone to Lagos, you know, with, um, from Abuja to Lokoja, you stop. Lokoja to, to um, <clears throat> what was that other place? Okene, you stop. You see, if you travel without having full money, you know, most people here, if you're not flying, you just go pay direct. But if you've had to, you know, do it piecemeal, you know Zuba. So this man said he met a big politician in Zuba. And the man entered the most, the, the, is it most rickety or rickettiest vehicle. You know why? He was traveling on Kaduna Road. He said he took, big, he knew the man so well, but what he was wearing and the vehicle was, this is a man that had the best of cars, Range Rovers and all of that. You know. But he was entering, you know, you know why? He's afraid of somebody holding him. I pray that all men will fear God more than kidnappers. Fear God more than armed robbers. Fear God more than... Because he is the one that holds life. He is the one that makes us invincible. He is our God. Praise the Lord. But when we don't fear him, we have to distribute our fear to all these other things. So we look at Daniel, we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we look at all these people, and what we see in their lives was that all these people, at some point in their journeys with God, in the experience of God, they were at death situations. But it was never their last. It was never their last. What have I come to say to us this morning? Child of God, this is the message of Christianity. That this life that we live in, come with me to Job 19 as I try and conclude. In Job 19, we see a man whose life must be studied by everyone who wants to really take this journey seriously. We see a man, Job 19, from 13 or so, he begins to say his experiences. I read this and I said, Lord, grace. He said, he has removed my brothers far from me. And my acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives are failed. My close friends have forgotten me. 15. Those who dwell in my house and my maid servants count me as a stranger. I'm an alien in their sight. I call my servant, but he gives no answer. I beg him with my mouth. 17 says, my breath, a few men can identify with this, my breath is offensive to my wife. Anytime your money goes down, your wife will know you have bad breath. Job was speaking. He said, my breath is offensive to my mouth, to my wife, and I'm repulsive to the children of my own body. When money is not coming, and they know that if they ask daddy for money, story, but if they ask mommy, money, you know. So your children, if you see your children call, mommy, mommy, when it's time to call that, daddy. Daddy is without, there is no sustain, you know. Uh-huh. Mommy. Daddy. <laughs> no light is coming from daddy's side. It says, I'm repulsive to the children of my own body. Even young children despise me. I arise and they speak against me. All my close friends abhor me. And those whom I've loved, whom I love, have turned against me. My bone clings to my skin and to my flesh. And I've escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, have pity on me, oh you my friends. For the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does? Are you not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Thank God they were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Thank God that they were recorded. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. Now, this is what he said. For I know that my what? Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on the earth. 
And after my skin is destroyed, what happened? He said, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. This is a man that has come to grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus makes a man to believe. You see the man, he's stable. The Bible talks about standing immovable and unshakable. This is what happened. He said, this my redeemer, verse 27. I like the way. He said, this my redeemer. He said, whom I shall see how? For myself and my eye shall what? Behold him and not another. Now look at in all of that despair, he has something. Just give me a few other translations. All of that despair, he says, how my heart does what? Yes, thank you. The living Bible says, what a glorious hope. You know what makes men commit suicide? Hopelessness. We think it's lack of money. No, it's hopelessness. Because if you were lack of money, all those people that are doing uh, MMM and Loom, I hear there's a new one now, Loom. I hope nobody's doing Loom or Moon. Moon. Okay? You see, it's, 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 what, what keeps them is, how can you give somebody 5,000 in Nigeria and after one week he will give you uh, 40,000? If the person had 40,000 to give for five, he should have taken that his 40,000 and multiplied it for himself. Praise God. So these people are so poor, but they are feeding on hope. Anyway, that's on the side. So what is here? Thank God. NLT says what? It says, I will see him what? For myself. Yes, with my own life. It says, I'm overwhelmed. This is a man. Look at the circumstance he was going through. But something in him said to him, I will see Jesus someday. And he will not just be Jesus. He will be my. I like the word where he says, he didn't say, I know that the Redeemer lives. He says, I know that what? My, the believers, Christians are those that have had Jesus to become their God. Jesus said to Mary, I'm ascending to my father and your father. Somebody say, he's my father. Somebody say, I have a father. I have a redeemer. I have a mighty God. What is the circumstance that can stand against you, sir? Don't worry about what Babylon is saying. There is someone that is speaking for you. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercessions. And we have an example of what his intercession does. He said to Peter, I will pray for you. In fact, better still, I have prayed for you. Isn't it? Did Peter fail? Peter failed, but did the devil have him? No, he says, Satan has desired to what? To sift you as we, but I have prayed. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit. What was he saying? In that prayer, he achieved something. He made sure that Satan was defeated, even though Peter seemed to fail. What is that saying to us? Circumstances are permitted in my life that might be necessary for my pride to be delivered, for my haughtiness to be taken away, but Satan will never have the last laugh. That was what he did with Peter. Peter failed, but Satan regretted. Because on the door of Pentecost, it was the same Peter. They were saying, men and brethren, I bring to you. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Before I leave you, I want to tell you the conclusion of this matter. The conclusion of this matter is that in Christ Jesus, you and I are no longer artificial plants. You'll get it. I, I'll break it down. You see, the artificial plant, if this plant dies what happens is actually dead that's why we those who are not saved are dead but let's take it that if a child comes what and pulls off this leaves and breaks it what has happened to this plant it is dead and buried now the believer is a seed a living plant 
If you take a living plant like this and you don't like it in this beautiful hall again with air condition, you take it and throw it across the fence. It falls outside of the fence and enters the ground like this. Come back after one week. It's budding. Come back after two years. It's not just standing like this. It's fuller than this. You know why? Because it's a seed. And Jesus said, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. The gospel is to tell men, be not afraid of death because you have become seed. And when you are buried in circumstances and situations, in obedience to God, you can only sprout. Let's rise on our feet. Those that have the life of God. Believers have life. We carry life inside of us. You can't kill us. You bury us, we bring forth more. You persecute us, we get better. You deny us, we get stronger. You punish us, we get wiser. The Bible said they put three men in the fire. Did they reduce? They became four men. Somebody hear me. You are born again. The spirit of the resurrection is in you. What puts you down is only preparing you for a resurrection. You and I have no business mourning with the world, sorrowing with the world. Jehovah is our God. Jesus Christ is our God. I have the seed of God in me. I am alive. That's what believers are. We are born again. Open up your mouth and begin to pray for yourself. If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, just open up your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost. Because circumstances, situations, they can only become manure. They can only become salt. They can only become environment to you. You don't die. The word of God lives in you. They banish you. Something is happening. They punish you, something is happening. They hide you, something is happening. They took Paul, put him in prison. We got the Gospels. They took John, banished him to Island of Padmore. We got revelation. What is it that they can do to a believer? Anywhere they push you, because seed has life. Seed has life. The sickness that came to you, if you believe God through, it will make you a deliverer. The lack you're suffering, if you believe God through, it will make you a deliverer. Listen, somebody. God knows you. He knows what he put inside of you. He said, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. If every temptation, he said, I make provision. Anywhere they put you, I make sure that I send water. I send sunshine. So that in that place you blossom. So that in that place you grow. That's why the Christian must not fight environment. Why? Because we have life. Life. Life inside of us. You put us here, we grow. You throw us there, we grow. You throw us anywhere, we grow. We carry the life of God. Somebody shout, I am seed. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Listen, the best of the unbeliever, the best of the world, artificial plants. When it's done, it's done. But you know you and I, there's no end. This Bible says the part of the just is as a shining light. What happens? It says it shines brighter. It shines brighter. It doesn't matter how it looks. It shines brighter. It shines brighter unto what? He said there's a perfect day when the master is going to come. Somebody here, your faith needs to be stirred up. Quit, quit, tell yourself, I escape measuring like a Babylonian. I exit Babylon. I enter Zion where we are seed, where we are the plantings of the Lord. 
the plantings of the Lord that he might be glorified. Isn't that what he said? He said the tree that is planted by the riverside. He said this tree shall bring forth fruit in the seasons. Oh, la koshe kababa. I need you to pray for yourself because you are somewhere. Let the sun fall on you. Let the rain fall on you. Don't be quick. They want you to blossom. What it means, sir, is that that place you entered, when you entered it, it was death. But when you grow there, it becomes a garden. You're changing places. You're changing places. You're changing testimonies. You're changing backgrounds. This is what I used to be. But this is what Christ has made of me. This is what they say of me. But this is what Christ has made of me. I belong to the Savior. I am a Savior. I'm a Savior's child. He saved me. His hand is upon me, sir. He knows. He Somebody's counting the years. He said, I also have determined your years. I've established it. Lord, I believe you. 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 I want to pray for one or two persons that are here today. Very quickly. There's a dividing line, sir. There's a dividing line, man. The Bible says no man can come to the son unless the father draws him. You see, the, the, the Bible talks about what you and I have and the Bible puts it this way. It says, those to whom the word of the Lord came. You see, the, the word of the Lord is what converts non-living to become living. And it's an act of God. You don't just throw up your hands and get it. No. He comes to you. So somebody is in church this morning. And you may, this may not be your first time in church. But you know that inside of you, this life is not there. It can become yours today. Something is telling you, you need this life. You need this life. The resurrection and the life. On Wednesday we saw him say, I'm the way, the truth and the life. You may be associated. If you put it side by side, no. The seed has something in it. It carries life in it. And if you look at a seed on a table, with a plastic seed on a table, you will know the difference. Until you plant the two. After some time, the plastic seed will remain as it is. But the seed that has life will say, I can't be buried. I want to pray for somebody. Life to come into your life. Jesus must be invited because he himself is the resurrection and the life. And when he comes, he washes things away. He takes the burden away. He makes all things to pass away. He makes all things to become new. The devil is a liar. Your race is different. Your race is completely different. You are a victor. He has finished the race for you. You just believe in him. Is there any person calling today for salvation? Jesus come into my life Jesus come into my life Father we thank you 
Lord, we want to say thank you. We, we were learning this so that we can believe right. Brethren, this, this word has come to me and has come to us. You know that somehow deep in you, you don't, you don't doubt the power of God. You know, you know how awesome God is. But I believe this word has come to help us to know the nature and the position that this power can alight upon and work for. Some of us here, our businesses might find us in a place where it will look like it's death. And you think it's over. Don't run. Some decisions might look like it's foolish. Like I tell us, you know, Nigeria. Why is Nigeria like this? Because believers are not standing. Believers are afraid of demotion, of sack, of physical death, of, you know, um, whatever form of inconvenience. Nobody's standing. But little did they know that they are seed. No man has power over God's seed. He is Alpha. He's Omega. He's the author of your life. He's the captain of your salvation. I want you to go to the Lord and tell him, Lord, I'm ready. Come upon me. Lord, work your work in my life. I will listen. I will obey. I will trust. Champions. Heaven has champions here. But they didn't push David forward. David ran forward. Heaven has a champion in you. There's a decision that you need to make. There's a decision that you need to make. There's a stand you need to take. There's something that God is speaking to you about. And it looks like this looks like the end. But with this God we learn today that there are no ends with him. He's the one who has brought immortality. Means no end. I want you to surrender to him. For someone you're saying, well, he hasn't spoken to me. Tell him, speak to me now. Let me see myself as seed. There's so much heaven wants to do. There's so much. God needs your salt. God needs you as light. Your family needs you. Somebody here, your husband needs you. Your wife needs you. Your children need you. Your parents need you. Your community needs you. Somebody, even the church needs you. And something is saying to you, if I do this, I'll suffer disadvantage. If I do this, I'll be embarrassed. If I do this, I'll be humiliated. If I do this, no. It says, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Always, he will be by your side. He will be by your side. Begin to thank the Lord. Begin to thank the Lord. You have a hope. You have an assurance. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. You know what that blessed hope is? You will see him. You will see him. I don't know how things may have gone. But remember Job. It was terrible as it was horrible. But Job said, 
I'm excited because in my flesh I shall see God. It was as though Job saw himself with 14 children. It was as though he saw himself with double the wealth he had before. He just said, this can be the last. I have a redeemer. I have a God. Even though my skin is destroyed in my body, not in hallucination, I will see God. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. For in Jesus Christ's name we pray. a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.